Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the next in our series of uncut interviews. As a reminder, I'm taking a couple months off from making fully produced episodes. As much as I love the regular interview episodes and the between episodes that provide greater insight into other topics, they take a ton of time and energy to produce. So for the next several weeks, I'll be presenting a handful of interviews that I recorded about a year and a half ago. These episodes fell into a sort of no man's land in the upheaval of 2020, when it became clear to me that I needed to work much harder to increase the diversity of stories I was telling on the show. Not just racial diversity, but all types, people in different size and shape bodies, people in bodies of different abilities, people of different ages, etc., But this group of interviews are no less interesting and definitely no less worthy than any other story. They just happened to get caught in the middle of shifting priorities. So in order to keep giving you new content, while also giving myself a much needed break, I'm releasing these interviews in their unedited form. You'll get to hear all of the stumbles and unfinished thoughts and speaking over each other that get cut out of a fully produced episode. So think of this as your behind the scenes sneak peek into the interview experience. Today's guest is Natalie. Natalie is a 30 year old cisgender female who describes herself as monogamous, straight, and engaged to be married. She describes her body as petite. Natalie talks about her experiences with both binge and purge eating behaviors and how they affected her experience of sex and her body. She also talks about sometimes trading sex for lodging when she didn't have steady housing. I am so pleased to introduce Natalie. Natalie, I am so happy to be talking with you. I always love it when there are people who listen to the podcast who reach out to me and say, I want to do an interview. So I was thrilled to hear from you. Not a problem. I was actually listening to a podcast while I was at the gym and I was like, I wonder if I'd be interesting enough. And lo and (laughs) behold, I wasn't expecting a response, but here we are. Pretty much everybody is interesting enough. So let me say that to anyone who's listening right now and wondering, are you interesting enough? Yes. Yes, you are. (laughs) So let's dive in. And the first question I ask everyone is, what is your first memory of sexual desire? Desire. 
I, hmm. I mean, I guess sensibly I can say high school, um, for desire. I've always been aware of what sex was. Um, I'm one of seven siblings, so you can't get away from that without knowing where they come from. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you in the, in the age order? I, if you can split seven up evenly, which I know you can't, I'm in the middle. I'm the youngest of the oldest and the oldest of the youngest. So (laughs) it's interesting. But so you I'm, probably also had older siblings who were dating and getting into those conversations that you could listen to a little bit? Oh, definitely. And the household we grew up in, it was not censored whatsoever. Um, I, like I said, I've always been aware of what sex was. I, we were never kept away from watching certain movies, certain things, very um, open entertainment field in the house. I have watched everything from as young as I can remember. Mm. No sensitivity really mm-hmm. at all. So I've always been aware, but desire for myself, I would say around high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and would that have been, can you hear those planes and trucks and things? Very mildly. Okay. <laughs> I'm in Portland, Oregon, and there are a lot of planes and helicopters around all the time right now because of the riot. I can, or, yeah, it's like, I can only imagine how many. <laughs> it's a little unnerving. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, back to the conversation. Um, so in your household, you were he- sort of sex was not a closed topic, but how much was it an open topic? I can't honestly say it was an open topic. They, it was never spoken about. I feel like everyone in the house had their own sensitivity to that. Um, I feel like my oldest sibling, my sister, she wasn't very open or explicit with it. Um, my oldest brother, who's right before me, he didn't really talk about it. He would make more jokes. Um, I didn't go seeking answers for things. If anything, I was a little embarrassed by Hmm. things like that. Um, like when it came time where I like finally started my cycle and things like that, like I hid it from my mother because she was, is the type of person that she's going to kind of tell everybody mm. um, and embarrass you unintentionally. But that's kind of how that stemmed to be, which is interesting because when I did finally have my first sexual um, incident, I don't know what word to use for that. <laughs> I actually called her and told her. Oh, which was very strange. I don't know why I found it as something I could be like, Hey, guess what I did today? Yeah. Very interesting, but it wasn't a very open topic. I think I was forcing the conversation. Mm -hmm. Did you share a bedroom with siblings? I did. um, Up until I was about 13 years old. I, in my younger years, I shared one with my older sister. And then when she moved out, I would then share one with my brother, a bunk bed situation. And then as I got older, I got my own because it was and, a small household. Sure. And so um, how does masturbation work as a teenager when you're sharing um, close quarters like that? Bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Bathrooms. Yeah. It's interesting because I actually moved out of my mother's house when I was 13 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. I went and moved in with my grandmother to have access to a better high school because um, I started high school. I have a weird birthday, so I started fairly young. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was the only child in the house. So things became easier. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So when mm-hmm. did you discover masturbation? 
Oh, Lord. Probably that year um, mm-hmm. when I had a little bit more freedom, access to um, life, I guess. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I would say my freshman year of high school when I was 13 is when I actually allowed those feelings to develop into action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then when did you start engaging? You said during high school was when you, you had your first actual sexual desire, which mm-hmm. I assume you mean was with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when did that happen and what happened? I was 16 years old. Um, it was with my first official boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like we came to be because we met, on MySpace, oh. <laughs> um, we had known each other through school, but he moved away, and then we reconnected on MySpace, and then he moved back. And I was like, "It's been a lot of months uh-huh. of just engaging." So I was like, "Yeah, this is what this is." Okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, how quickly did you move into that sort of sexual space with each other? Um, I want to say three months. Mm-hmm. So, and during those three months, were you kissing or doing other things? We were kissing, holding hands, snuggling. Um, I hit something, sorry. Um, And then it's interesting because anything outside of those things, I was very uncomfortable with. Mm. Um, I was, and I find myself still this way. I'm the type of person who'd rather engage in intercourse versus anything that involves my hands because I didn't know why then and I still can't say for certain why then I found it really embarrassing and I don't know why embarrassing to touch somebody else with your Mm -hmm. hands yeah fascinating Mm -hmm. so you said it took about three months what changed at three months I guess I just felt ready. I think honestly, I was trying to, cause there was no pressure, no rush on his end of the deal. Um, but I feel like I wanted to be able to provide that for him, but I didn't want to do anything that involved me physically touching him in other ways. Cause I was like, eh, he's staring at me. I don't like that. Mm. So how did you navigate that? Once you started having intercourse, was it like just intercourse? Um, no, it wasn't just, uh, it would be ex- mostly that, um, some oral stuff, but anything that involved like hand jobs, I, mm-mm. I was like, this is weird. Why bother with this? <laughs> like, why am I doing this? <laughs> and what about him touching you? Were you okay with that? I was okay with that. Maybe it's because I'm selfish, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I was okay with that be- to an extent. I didn't like receiving any oral for a very long time in my life. I thought it was weird, not even weird. Like everyone else to each their own, but I didn't, I felt like I was being watched. I felt like I had to perform. I felt like I didn't know how to move or what I should be doing that. And it just wasn't enjoyable. So I was like, uh, stay away. Yeah. Don't do that. I think that's relatively common, or at least it's not at all uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, this feeling of being watched, and so like I have to do exactly the right thing. But do you have any sense of 
where that might have developed for you? Is it because you were in a room in a household with so many other kids, there were always people watching or what? Possibly. Um, I've always just had this weird overcast sense of embarrassment where I was like, I need to protect myself from people noticing me. Um, like as middle child syndrome as they can be, I always break it down as there's the middle child who wants all the attention and the one who wants to stay away. Don't look at me. Mm. And I'm the latter, I feel like. So in any situation where there could be any repercussions of embarrassment, I avoid. Mm-hmm. And that's in any aspect of my life. I'm like, mm, that could be embarrassing or that could be too risky. I'm not going to make that move just because mm-hmm. it could not, it could end in just embarrassment. So I was like, I'm just not going to. Is that still true for you as an adult? Sometimes, um, like taking risks for certain things. Like I'm a very, I'm not an antisocial person, but it takes a lot for me to make the move to be social um, with anything because I don't want to be the one at the end that everyone's looking at with confusion. Mm -hmm. Um, It's gotten better over the years, but it's still um, an underlying thing, I think. Sure. Mm -hmm. So how were those first uh, experiences with your boyfriend? I mean, as Good as a 16-year-old can have. I mean, <laughs> I had no base of comparison. So yeah. I was like, this is pretty fun. Um, <laughs> it was uh, interesting because I had less care about it. Like, I, once we got to a rhythm of how we went about doing things, it, I had no problems. I had no – I still had those things I didn't want to be embarrassed about, but I was like, I was very comfortable with what I was doing. Um, I was like, I'm 16. I'm having sex. This is awesome. And I had no worries. And it wasn't until future relationships before current ones, um, where I had any issues when it came to like, Oh, I don't look good. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not in shape. I'm not the best shape I can be. So that's where a lot of like image issues started to stem out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned when you contacted me that you, that you have a story around body image issues. Yes. I want to ask you one more question before we yeah. get there, which is with that first boyfriend, were you having orgasms? I think I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, I And it, this still rings true. I'm I always enjoyed it. I never needed to get to what I thought was climax or what I assumed was that like when you see movies version, cause I was always having a good time. I don't think I was having actual orgasms though now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we can talk a little bit later about what actual <laughs> orgasms are, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but let's move forward in the timeline. Uh, what was your next experience? So my next relationship was right at the end of high school. I had finished being with then boyfriend um, that ended kind of tumultuously as did the next one, but um, just unhealthy. Like we were young, thought we wanted one thing. Always, young people talk about always doing this, moving out together and what have you. Obviously that didn't happen. Um, it just ended kind of on a toxic note. And at one point when we were still together, after we had separated the first time I was out, at my local mall, like teenagers do. And then I walked into a store and met my then next boyfriend, Mm -hmm. which 
I didn't do anything officially with, I didn't, we would, I can't even say we text, like I would run in, like I purposely go to the store to run into him. <laughs> and then we had a few exchanges and then I eventually did break up with my then boyfriend to be with him. Mm -hmm. um, that lasted for two, two and a half years. I moved from one city or one part of the state to a, another part of my state just to be with him. So I went from living at home to living with him with in a few short months. I want to oh, say wow. like three, four months. I, we started dating and I moved in with him. How did your family respond to that? They didn't. Um, so I was <laughs> living with my grandmother, uh, really, but I think she was a little upset. And looking back on it, I do regret because I feel like I was like, oh, I left her alone kind of thing. Um, but the rest of my family, they were fine. They encouraged it. Um, They're like, cool, you found someone you like. My parents, my mom had met him at that point and she really liked him. Um, My dad would meet him later along and they did not get along. Should have been a telltale sign, but mm. who knew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so how was the sexual engagement in that relationship? Um, that was quick too in my head. Like it wasn't in like, I want to say maybe two months in is when we started really engaging in things like that. Um, it was all right. It was better than the first time. Um, I certainly learned a little bit more about myself in that. Um, so as far as like how far I like to go with things, trying new things that we didn't, I haven't tried before, um, incorporating like toys and stuff like that. So just maturing the situation a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. It was okay. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> yeah. And was this around the time that you started developing body issues? I think I've always innately had a self-consciousness. And I think that is where the embarrassment stems from. I'm always very self-aware of myself moving in and out of life. Um, and I've had some issues ever since I was a child because I do distinctly remember very young, my mom, like, getting me dressed and tapping me on the, the tummy saying, suck it in. So there's always been that oh. in the back of my head, um, which people should not do through their children. That's so mean. Um, Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but in this relationship, it did definitely take off because um, I started going to the gym more. And that was just because I was like, oh, 19 year olds go to the gym. Let's just do that. But then comments like just like fat shaming comments to people or just like making jokes about overweight people. Like he would make these things and I would be in earshot. So I'm like, all right, to gain approval. I don't know if I consciously thought this, but I guess somewhere in my head, I was like to gain consistent approval. I have to maintain this. So he wasn't making the comments to you, but you were hearing them and applying them to yourself within the relationship. Correct. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it, it's so common. We we are looking for signs and signals from the people around us all the time. Mm -hmm. And so even if they're not making the comments to us and we you know, we go to confront them and they're like, "But that I didn't say that to you." You're like, "But it doesn't matter yeah. that you didn't say it to me." Right. Oh, I'm definitely. And I still do that a little bit now where I feel like I overanalyze people's gestures, facial expressions, emotions and stuff. So I do have a tendency to read too far into something where I can just be like, they're probably fine. I'm just being overly cautious. And I'm mm. like, hmm, 
looking for something wrong. Like I look for things to be wrong so I can either correct myself or fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> and so how did those body image issues show up for you? Oh boy. So it got to the point where I was going to the gym far too often. Um, it was a 24 hour access gym and I was going for hours a day. Wow. Um, which it became too unsustainable. Like it didn't become like I couldn't maintain that because um, it's crazy. So in order to cut down on the amount of time I needed to spend at the gym, I began eating less mm. to make up for us. Like if I eat less, then I won't have to run as much. And if I don't have to run as much, I won't be as tired. So that just created a spiral because then like I'm still doing those things. I'm eating less. I'm still going to the gym, even though it's less, but I'm getting tired more because I'm not replenishing myself. Mm-hmm. And then from there, because I couldn't maintain that lifestyle, I acquired an Adderall prescription uh-huh. <laughs> somehow through a friend. Yeah. So uh, before you go on, um, mm-hmm. was your goal during this time to simply maintain the weight you were at or was your goal to become as skinny as possible? I think my goal became to be as skinny as possible mm-hmm. because I had always, I think I've always been a small person. Um, and I think going through the, the puberty stage of my life, everyone fluctuates. And I really loved chicken nuggets then. So I was like, all right, <laughs> things are fluctuating. So I was like, I used to be small and people would compliment me. I'm like, oh, you're so small. How do I maintain that into adulthood? And then it just, the whole thing becomes kind of a weird spiral. It's toxic where people start saying, oh, you're too skinny. And you start to think of it as a compliment when they're actually concerned. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I don't know why. Oh, my God. But yeah. (laughs) So you, uh, you mentioned that you got the Adderall prescription and how did that change your, your lifestyle? Um, it did actually change a lot. I became sneaky, um, cause I had to hide it because my boyfriend didn't know about it. Um, he eventually would find out about it and he did not he made it quite clear he didn't like the way I looked when I got to my absolute worst um, to the point where he learned that I hadn't been eating and I couldn't any longer at that point get access to that medication. So I was trying over the counter dietary supplements. He found them and made it quite clear how upset he was about it. So then I took those out of my life and started still eating less, but trying to sneak in those things, realizing those things didn't work, made my head feel bad. Because if you spend a lot of time abusing things of that nature, it makes your head just fuzzy. Like you can't Mm -hmm. think straight or anything. So then that just propelled, that made the, then I went back to the restricting of eating and going to the gym. Um, But then I was asked by, my mother actually to stop doing what I was doing because I was very small. Mm-hmm. It wasn't pretty. I look back on pictures of me then and I, I am, this, I'm 
grossed out by it. I'm like, oh, that yes. wasn't cute. I don't mm. know why I thought it was. <laughs> oh, because something in your brain had shifted at that yeah. point. So um, I want to ask about how this affected your sex life, your sexual experience. And there are two pieces to this. Mm-hmm. One is how did the changes in your body affect your sexual sensation? And the other is how did what was going on in your brain affect your sexual experience? In my brain, I thought that I I felt more comfortable being more sexually active in my relationship, like doing more things because like I equated my confidence being barren, (laughs) being transparent, like being naked Mm -hmm. with the thinness. The problem was that the malnourishment and the lack of, I eventually got to the point where I had no longer had a cycle. Mm. I was that small. So I had no sex drive because there was no hormones happening. Mm -hmm. So sex completely came off the table for us unless I had like too many glasses of wine. I was like, cool. But (laughs) that's how it affected it. It put a toxic strain on my sex drive for a a long time. Mm -hmm. And how did sex feel when you did have it? It didn't. It it was hard to get to that point because of just the the body dehydration. I couldn't get my body physically prepared to even do it. Um, And when we would, it just felt like something I was obligated to do. So it and I didn't mind doing it because again, like once I I could always find some idea of enjoyment, but it wasn't pleasurable. Mm Hmm. How did that relationship sustain through this fluctuation of your lifestyle around your body and your food and your exercise? It was very difficult. And I do think that's part of what led to our demise aside from other misdoings on his end of the deal. But I do think that a lot of my unhealthy habits did cause a huge strain on the relationship. Um, And I think it was able to just maintain the length that it did um, because I was living with him still. Um, And I feel like he didn't, he didn't want to kick me out kind of thing. Um, There were a few instances where he did suggest, he's like, maybe you stay here. I move out. And I was like, something's happening. And that was towards the end of our relationship. He, we broke up because he got a job offer across the country, Mm -hmm. um, which ultimately left me doing what I playfully call those years of my life, the couch surf shuffle. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So how long was that relationship in total? Two, two and a half years. So you're in your early twenties now? At that point, yes. Our relationship ended when I was about to turn 22. Okay. So uh, during that couch surfing period, how were you maintaining your food, uh, exercise, all all of that regimen? So I probably really irresponsibly handled that that moment in time um, because I was trying to find an escape. I had a friend living in New York at the time. Um, he was a mutual friend of both of ours. So I spent some time up there with him. Um, not having money kind of f- fuels the not eating. Mm-hmm. So that, cause I 
quit my job. Um, I just went up there to clear my head and then I would eat sporadically here and there, but it morphed as I, when we, it morphed into purging Mm -hmm. is how that happened. And that was awful. I wasn't exercising at all though, because I was like, ah, I don't have a gym membership. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. When you say that was awful, what does that mean to you? It caused more issues in the long run, health-wise. Um, eh, sorry. Um, okay. It it does a, a number on your teeth. Mm-hmm. And those aren't um, fun to fix because they're painful. Um, they're expensive. And it kind of, it's weird because you get into this brain space wanting to look one way and everything you're doing to your body is causing you more physical damage. So then you're like, everything I did was counterintuitive to what my end goal was. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly harder to come back from that than it is anything else. It, as far as that problem goes, I think, in my opinion. To come back from the emotional piece of it? Is that what you mean? No. Um, once you get to the point of where you're actually compulsively eating and then getting rid of it. Yeah. That I find is harder to recover from, at least in my experience, because you've already allowed yourself to consume. Whereas before you've been starving your body. So now your body Uh remembers things are delicious. Yeah. But then the guilt sets in. So you, you you do away with it. And that's harder. I I think to get to correct. Yeah. Wow, you've put your or your I haven't I don't want to say you've put your body. Your body has been through a lot. Yes, it has. <laughs> it has. I um I'm getting back to a point in my life where I'm trying to respect it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um lockdown hasn't really helped because then there's been far too much wine, but other than that, <laughs> um I have put my body through a lot. I want to invite you to imagine for a moment what your ideal sex life looks like and feels like. Who are you with? What type of sex do you have together? How do you feel while touching them? And how does your body feel when they touch you? Or maybe you'd like to be having less sex than you're currently having. If you don't know, Or if that vision of your ideal doesn't look at all like what's currently going on in your bedroom, I can help. With personalized sex and intimacy coaching, we'll explore where you are, how you got here, where you want to be, and the steps to help you get there. There are no right or wrong answers, just the answers that work for you. I understand that exploring your sexuality and all that goes with it, your body image, your belief in your lovability, and more can be terrifying. Believe me, I sat in the middle of that fire for decades. I know how painful it is. But I also stepped out the other side, stronger, more confident, and more certain of my lovability and desirability, and I want the same for you. 
I work with couples and one-on-one, whether you've never explored your sexual desires before, or you want to explore things you've never done before, like maybe BDSM or non-monogamy, or if you and your partner need some help figuring out how to communicate together so you can have better sex. I'm queer, kinky, and poly-friendly, and I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. Together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. A new client recently said that before her discovery call, she was extremely nervous, but that I made the experience feel easy and comfortable. So book your free discovery call today at leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So uh, that couch surfing period started when you were about 22. Mm-hmm. You're now 30. Mm-hmm. What ha- where are you in that journey of healing from disordered eating? It was a long, it's, it, I can't say that. I mean, I'm the best in these past couple of years than I have been ever. It's not ever something you don't think about. Sure. Um, there are days where it's better. Um, definitely trying to balance healthy eating, a, a healthy gym experience. Um, me personally cutting back from cardio, doing more other things that revolve less looking at a screen, telling you how many calories you're burned. Mm. Um, so I'm the best now that I've been. And that's only because in my current relationship, he doesn't let me slip up, um, in a good way. Um, I've never had someone actually hold me accountable mm. for my own actions. Um, I used to make bad decisions, I think in life and bad choices. Um, because I was like, no one's going to tell me I can't, no one's going to hold me accountable. No, I'm not going to really see the repercussions because I'll do it. It'll be done. It's over. I've never had someone actually hold me accountable for myself. And I think I definitely needed that. Um, and I think without that, then I wouldn't, I know I wouldn't be what I am today. Mm -hmm. And what is that? Sane. (laughs) (laughs) Um, as normal as I possibly can be, um, a person happy, Mm. peaceful, Mm -hmm. um, cared for. Wow. <laughs> so, um, how long have you been in this relationship? Eight years. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this, was this your sort of next relationship? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, in that time of my couch surfing experience, I had a few brief encounters, um, with some fella, fellas, mm-hmm. but they weren't anything I was trying to pursue. Um, it literally was just a means to a place to sleep. I think, um, sure. a way to get fed. Um, thought we were hanging out, turned in the might as well do this kind of thing. Um, and that lasted for just like me, may, maybe a couple months. So 
me and my ex finished in October. And by January, I was not doing that stuff anymore. So those experiences where you were essentially trading your body and sex for food and a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And I say that with absolutely no judgment because, no, because sometimes that's what life brings us and mm-hmm. it's what you have. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that is an absolutely viable choice to make if that's the choice you've got. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you emotionally? Were you having any enjoyment from the sex or was it just literally, this is a thing I have, I'm going to do. I think I had a few encounters of like, Oh, this isn't bad. Um, there was definitely a couple that I'm like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? How did I get here? Like not my choice. There was an, an instance in that where I thought I had feelings for one of the people did not come across um, mutually. Uh-huh. So I that hurt me a little bit. But other than that, I wasn't looking for anything. And I think I'm very good at compartmentalizing things. Uh-huh. So nothing really affected me too badly. Um, except for maybe that one encounter. Because I was like, oh, I thought we had a, I thought we were talking. Cool. <laughs> so you met your now fiance. Mm-hmm. And how was the, I mean, it sounds like you were still very much in uh, this sort of toxic relationship with food and exercise and, Mm -hmm. and all of that. Um, How did your initial sexual relationship with him develop given that that was still part of your world? So our relationship was, is interesting because I've actually, I've known him for 10 years. We've been together for eight. He was a friend of mine, a mutual friend of my ex and I's. And he had always looked out for me, um, even as a friend. Uh, he took care of me. Um, he watched out for me in situations. So he was all, we always, this is so messed up. We refer to each other at, in our friendship history as brother and sister. So the fact that we're here now, it's all like, oh, that's weird. Um, <laughs> But, um, it started off, that's actually how our, this level of relationship began because we were both in a tough spot in life at that point. Um, kind of both on the down and outs, we were hanging out one night and like young 20 year olds do, you have a few drinks and I ended up doing the thing I'd been doing, but this time it didn't result in me continuing making mistakes it resulted in a relationship from there um I always joked saying I went over there to hang out one night and I never left (laughs) (laughs) why do you think this one was different I think because it was honest um I think because none, I don't think either of us went into this thinking it would become something else. But I think in that moment, we both realized like, oh, you're my person. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it's interesting because I explain to people now because it's taken me years because I can never find the right words for something. It's taken me years to actually find the right words for this. Because we were friends and because we did what we did, 
And because we've been together for so long, I don't feel like it was an initial like falling. I feel like it was more of a growing in love. And that's how I describe it to people because from your 20s to my now 30s, people change a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think just something was different in that moment where I actually felt connected. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I was like, oh, I'm going through the motions in these relationships. This is what I'm expected to do in these relationships. I've never felt the connection. Um, I've never felt that mutual, like, oh, I do this and you do this and you know that innately. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how is the sex? It's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's fabulous. It's so funny too, because so shortly after the first instance i went to a party that we had both gone to but separately days later and i pulled a friend of mine aside one of my like girlfriends and i was like hey i gotta tell you something because i hadn't told but maybe one other person at that point and i told her i was like this is what happened and she was like how was it i was like it's really good (laughs) like (laughs) i wasn't expecting that (laughs) What about it is good for you? Um, I actually recently told him this because we make jokes about stuff all the time. Um, he just gets me. Like mm. my weird quirks, my idiosyncrasies, be it in the bedroom, not in the bedroom. He just gets it. Even if he thinks it's like, he just gets me. Like, all the things I'm into, I don't even have, I never even had to say it. It's just who he already naturally was and who I already naturally was. And I didn't have to go through that embarrassing, just so you know, I'm into this. If that bothers you, mm-hmm. no, it doesn't because he's already into that thing that I'm into. So I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what kinds of things? <laughs> um, <laughs> so we are a very, um, trying to find the nice word for this. We're a very rough couple. Okay. <laughs> um, I am a very submissive person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like in previous relationships, the men I was with, they liked to be submissive. They wanted to be the ones that like got degraded, things like that. And that's not who I am because again, that puts me on the platform of performing and Mm -hmm. I don't want to embarrass myself if I take something too far because that's just not who I am. I'm a very submissive partner in that way. And he is not. And it works out well for me. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, so uh, when you were searching for the word, um, would you call that what you do together kinky? Would you call it BDSM or no, some pieces so of that? Far as BD- I wouldn't even know what to call it because I think there's elements of everything. Like I definitely get tied up sometimes. There's um, a good element of slapping um Mm -hmm. i i like to be choked a little bit so (laughs) so a little bit of everything i think it's not to me because it's so normal i don't think of it as anything extravagant but Mm -hmm. when i go and tell other people um in my life i'm like oh this is what i'm to they look at me like i'm confusing i'm like (laughs) i don't think that that's that bad (laughs) like there's eight of us in there (laughs) (laughs) and even if there were that would be okay too right right (laughs) to each their own exactly so uh when you say slapping where where do you like to be slapped um i like it on almost everywhere i have this interesting i don't know how i figured this out i like to be 
like slapped in the mouth. Oh, I don't know how I figured that out. <laughs> um, on my backside, um, I do like, we don't have an actual whip. We use, um, I don't even know what it is. I think it's an arrow <laughs> that we took the things <laughs> off. Of. I like that. Um, I I don't know what it is. I find a point of pride in seeing like the marks afterwards. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. yes. I've been through it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is actually common. Uh, mm -hmm. You are not alone in that. Um, yeah. that there are submissives who really, t I, in fact, I have a friend uh, who will, with pride, she'll like get eight hickeys and she'll send us pictures of like her eight hickeys because she's so <laughs> proud of them. So there are definitely people for whom that's a thing. They're like little trophies. And it's funny to me that that I'm actually just now connecting this. When I was much, when I was in like elementary school, there was this dumb game that we all did where you would take a rubber band and slap yourself on it and you would uh -huh. see how many you can get. And I was always so proud to be the one that got the most of them. Huh. It's very weird that I'm just now connecting those dots. Like, I've always been that way. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I took a course once. Um, I, I'm not into real heavy... Um, pain play, but I, I've taken some classes so that I can understand it. And I remember a woman saying that the things that show up in your adult life as your kinks very often show up as a kid, just in different, they look a little bit different, but your kinks were with you from the time that you were a child. That's so fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to be overanalyzing my childhood all night. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, what weird stuff did I do? <laughs> so you said you like to be slapped on the mouth. What about on the cheeks? Um, it really depends on my moment, like my mood in the moment. Because sometimes some things that I really like one day, I'll be like, not today. I'm not feeling that today. Um, so I as don't mind. A, oh, sorry. As oh, I, I don't mind it. Yeah. <laughs> As a sub, you feel com comfortable saying, this is what I want today and this is what I don't want mm -hmm. today. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I have um, no qualms. Even if it's something like in the moment, he does something like, mm, no, and it's fine. Good. And um, do you, how do you feel about um, getting marks in places that would be visible to people with I used to on? be okay with it. I used to be okay with it, but the nature of what I do for a living, I am a little bit more self-conscious about it just because mm -hmm. I'm really close to people's faces. Um, so I don't like anything visible that, especially where I currently am employed, it's a very close-knit team, very close-knit clientele, people I've been dealing with for eight years. Um, and I don't want them to be like, why do you have that bruise on you? Because I'm very fair. I bruise like a peach. And the last thing I want is people to assume I'm going through something that I don't like. Yeah. Um, so I try not to do anything too visible because I just don't, I don't need the questions. <laughs> yeah. And this is actually can be a concern. I don't know if it's something you've thought about, but it can be a concern if you have an accident and have to go to the hospital mm -hmm. and the hospital workers see that you have bruises, they might make an assumption mm -hmm. that you are being non-consensually beaten, abused. Right. Um, so it could be really helpful for you and for anybody else who's listening to this to like make a card to put in your wallet that says, mm -hmm. this is the type of play that I'm into. If you see bruises on my body, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So that it's not like you have that pre-done, pre, pre -done, mm -hmm. uh, laminated, 
So it's not like you're just saying in the moment, this is okay. And then they have to wonder, is she trying to cover up for someone? You like have, it's not going to stop everything, no. well, but at I least mean, it's a, it's something to prevent something. I mean, definitely. I mean, if you, if you go through the process of laminating something, you have to be serious about it. <laughs> right? so, like this was well thought out. It's no different than like, um, I, ha- I don't have it yet, but I plan on doing it because I have this weird fear of being in a car. Like, I don't like driving very fast. I, I don't understand why, but I have two dogs that I'm like, if something happens, I'm going to get that card that's in the wall that says, go take care of my dogs. Huh. Because that's a thing that you can have on your keychain, mm-hmm. saying just to let them know that there's a pet alone at home mm-hmm. type of thing. So just have a sex lamination card, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. You said... When I asked you what you enjoy, you said slapping. And what was the other thing you said? Because I wanted to ask you about that. Oh, as well. I, I like to be choked. <laughs> right. Okay. So you said that you like choking. Mm-hmm. Do you have, what are your safety protocols that you have in place for that? Um, if it gets to the point, it's usually, if it's happening, you, he can see my face. I think that's part of the enjoyment of that, I guess. Um, I'll tap out if it's too far. Um, by tapping him on the shoulder, mm-hmm. I'll tap him on the hands. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he knows to loosen up, but I think okay. he can also see it in my eyes. I'm like, Oh, she went somewhere. Come back. Come back. <laughs> and what is something, do you have a plan in place where something to go wrong and you didn't tap out in time? Do you have a safety protocol about what he needs to do to keep you safe? I've never thought about it, honestly. Okay. Um, cause I, we've not had a, a, an incident, um, so it's actually something I've never thought about. But so I would I, encourage you be. to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can find some resources online for that. Um, choking, again, no judgment um, about it. I think there are a lot of people who enjoy it. And it is an extremely, it, in terms of, you know, low risk to high risk activities, it's on the far end of high risk activities because you're dealing with somebody's windpipe and Mm -hmm. oxygen to the brain. So it's, it's important to have safety protocols in place for that. Oh yeah. No, we'll definitely be putting that into the (laughs) box of ideas for tonight. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Great. Um, So do you have any things that are questions for you in terms of your sex life now or things that you wonder about? Um, as far as things right now, I'm not sure. I know in the future, I wonder if it's something that we'll address just because of the nature of everything. Like, I don't think in the present time, like I'm having, we, we have a decent sex life. Um, we at one point did have a slight lull, um, to the point where we created a night of the week that we, if my body allows it, um, that we do engage like that given night of the week it's usually a saturday Mm -hmm. um that we're like committed to doing this um and that really helped me spark back up my sex drive um and it's been better recently because up until a few weeks months now i had body piercings um Mm -hmm. from the time i was in my previous relationship he's actually the one who took me to get them done i had both nipples done and i had um clitoris piercing mm-hmm. and I had gotten sick of looking at them. Um, so I just decided to take them out. And ever since those have been gone, my sex drive has been amplified. Oh, fascinating. It was shocking because I know it could be different for any person. Like some people, they get it to amplify it, but I almost feel like 
it was like a, <laughs> it was like a little handcuff on my vagina. I couldn't <laughs> actually quite get to where I needed to be. Now I'm experiencing more um, climaxing from actual touch versus just penetration. Wow. And it's been enlightening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as far as the future goes, like, I think there's things we'll be open to. It's just getting past the mental thing. Like, I don't know if I'd ever be 100% on board incorporating like a third party in mm -hmm. um, to each their own. I would like to believe I'd be more open-minded than that. But I'm also, because I found someone I'm so happy with, I'm very greedy and I don't want to share. <laughs> I don't think it's about open-mindedness. I think it's about recognizing what you're comfortable with, what works for your energetic system, and being willing to acknowledge that and honor it. Everybody mm -hmm. is going to be different. And yeah. that's okay. I, you know, it's funny. I When I go through the biographical questions at the beginning of each interview, I'll ask people, like, what's your racial identity? And people will be like, I'm just boring old white. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your sexual orientation? Well, I'm sorry to say that I'm just heterosexual. You know what? None of that is bad. It's no. all okay just who you are. And we need to get away from this idea that something exciting makes us more interesting. No, you are who you are. And I love that you recognize what works for you. Yeah. I'm not saying no to the future. Current me. Sure. Current, current me is just um, not there yet. Mm -hmm. Not there yet. Okay. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you. 
whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. Um, I want to transition into the Q&A, um, okay. unless there's anything else we haven't talked about that you'd like to. Not that I can think of. <laughs> All right. So um, I assume if you've listened, you're familiar to the basic concept here that mm-hmm. these are more rapid fire-ish questions, but please feel free to expand on any answers that you want to. Okay. All right. Do you have sex during your period? No. Um, I have in previous relationships. Again, they like that getting, they, they were more submissive. So they liked that idea of getting stuff on them. Oh, um, interesting. The current relationship. No. And I'm perfectly fine with that because I don't want to have to do laundry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the approximate number of sex partners you've had? I think I counted actually. I think it's seven or eight. I wrote it down, but I don't. I don't want to reach for the notebook. That's I, okay. Um, let's <laughs> say seven. Okay. What's your favorite sex toy? Mm. I've really been enjoying since I have my newfound freedom and no handcuffs. Um, there's this lovely little attachment that goes on top of um, like a tiny little vibrator thing it's got nodules on it and it's supposed to be a clitoral stimulation that i enjoy before i have not enjoyed that that's Hmm. my new favorite um but typically just a standard like g spot i don't know what to call it like it's a vibrator type thing spot vibrator the sort of long one with the bulb on the end of it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so those are my (laughs) go-tos what's your favorite sex position i really like it from behind like if I, it's funny because now it gets to the point where if I can't quite get to where I need to be, he's like, he'll just flip me. I'm like, yeah, it's like, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you generally more active or more passive during lovemaking? I'm more passive um, because I would like to be more active, but I just find the momentum is just not there in my energy levels. Like the positions where you ha- I would have to be in to be more active, I just feel like my legs don't move that way. Hmm. So I'm a more passive person. I tr- I'm working on it, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, shoot, you said something earlier. <sighs> Darn it. I don't remember what it was. I'll come back if I remember. Do you prefer clit stimulation or penetration? I can say both now. Um, I will still say penetration is my go-to because I'm still exploring the other one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it's generally easy or challenging for you to orgasm? It's hard. Um, It's difficult because I, even now, even though everything's fabulous, I do think too much. Mm-hmm. in the moment like I just cannot get out of my head that that performative embarrassing thing I cannot get away from it it's better now than it has been but it's still like I'm being watched 
Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted to go back and pick up Mm -hmm. was how is that with your current partner, the feeling that you don't want to touch him and use your hands a lot, the feeling of being watched. How does that Mm -hmm. show up now? I have no problems with touching whatsoever. Um, I have no problems. Things that I used to very much not like, disapprove of, I'm more willing to be a receiver of. Whereas like before I was like, don't go down on me. Don't do anything for other people. Now I'm fine with it. Um, So it's, it's better um, because he's more encouraging and he's never once said a thing about other people that makes me internalize that. Um, And he always just says, stop it, ignore it. You're beautiful. It's fine. Like very, just get over it. Move past. Let's go. Like (laughs) awesome. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Um, Have you ever fight? Let me try that again. (laughs) Have you ever faked an orgasm? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you in your current relationship? Not. Mm-mm. No, I don't have to. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear mm-hmm. it. <laughs> cause it's, it's very honest. Cause if it gets to the point where I was like, no, I didn't, it's not going to, he's not going to internalize that. It's just like, eh, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll do better next time. <laughs> um, can you orgasm from intercourse without additional stimulation? Yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with another person? Sex with another person. Um, it from it's fine if it's me, but I like the activity. Uh-huh. It I like the participation trophies. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of touch do you enjoy most? Oh, um, there's something with my neck. I don't understand what it is, but he does this thing where he'll just like kiss me right on the back of my neck like ah yes that Mm. that's like my go button nice but like soft touch is fine um just to lead up into that but my go button (laughs) (laughs) what are your hard red lines things you absolutely won't do won't do I don't know. I don't really have any in this one. There are things like in the moment I might not want to do, like I might not want to do anal one day, but I've been there, done that. So that's not a hard red line. Um, right now, I guess it would have to be entertaining the idea of a third party. Mm-hmm. And that's just right now. I just can't mentally do it. Sure. Are there sexual things you've tried in the past that you don't want to do again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> my last serious relationship, he enjoyed being urinated on. Hmm. And that was not something I enjoyed doing because mm-hmm. it's just, just not my thing to each their own. Yeah. Not my cup of tea. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about your, po- uh, how do you feel about your partner masturbating if you are not around? I had no problem with it. We have a very um, honest dialogue about that. Um, like if, if I, so if I, I will find stuff, I'm like, what'd you do today? Um, or it, like, he'll ask like, what'd you do today? I'm like, yeah, I did do that. Or um, if I'm in the mood and I want to go, he's like, I don't know if I can, cause I did this earlier. I'm like, ah, oh, I see. We have a very, it's, I'm perfectly fine with him doing that. We, 
have valid we have no problem watching like porn or anything like that like that's all kosher with us um we do see that where it can become a problem in life but for us it's fine okay do you have hair down there or are you bare i get full waxing Mm, that is Mm -hmm. that is brave (laughs) it's actually something that it's part of what i do for a living Oh, okay. So it's the nature of the beast. <laughs> gotcha. Yes. And it sounds like you enjoy some pain as yeah. pleasure. So mm-hmm. I wonder, does that like play into that dynamic? No, because um, I've experimented with like leaving some stuff down there. Um, I prefer to have it all gone just for the cleanliness aspect of it. Just for me, um, it, getting my services done does not stimulate anything. And my brain can separate like this is a disservice versus mm-hmm. this is enticing. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy giving blowjobs? I do more now than I did um, back in the day. I'd like to believe I'm very good at it. Um, it's one of the few, I was like, this is a job I'm really good at. Sometimes <laughs> because of the, what I've done to my body and what my te- I've done to my dental, even though my teeth are fine right now, it does, did cause some jaggedness at some point. So I, at one point was very uncomfortable doing it. It was very self-conscious for me. Um, but I do like it, but I have TMJ now, so it's kind of more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> do you enjoy receiving oral sex? I do now. I didn't before. Do you know what the difference is? I think, um, trusting my partner and also it's definitely gotten more in in the past few like maybe year or so i think being more accepting of that being open-minded to trying new things and i think my body just changed that and i took out that piercing so oh right (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that makes a difference yes do you ever worry about your smell or taste no how do you feel about receiving ass play I'm fine with it. It's not a, con- a regular thing about that we do, but it's something that we do incorporate occasionally. How do you feel about giving ass play? No, I've done it in the past with the same fellow who liked the other thing I didn't like doing. And it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. What do you consider the kinkiest thing you enjoy? Oh, I guess it's it stems off just being choked. I think that would probably be the kinkiest on a vanilla standpoint of things. Like if you're looking at it, I think that would be the biggest thing. But it's collectively everything that happens. Like if I'm being choked, slapped, and if I'm tied up in one session, I'm like, this is a good day. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you enjoy dirty talk during sexual encounters? I can't do it. It's not my <laughs> he, he does. I just, I'm like, stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> like, I, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't find it cute. <laughs> Not my thing. Do you enjoy laughter during sexual encounters? Yeah, I do. Like, if something's funny, I will joke about it because 
one, it takes the attention off of the fact that I think I'm being watched kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but if it's funny, it's funny. I'm going to laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just who I am. Sex is weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's not cute. Like, <laughs> it's not cute. <laughs> what is your favorite part of your body? I, re- I really like my face. I love like, that. I, I really just, I never felt, and that's so funny, like stemming from the things I always felt uncomfortable with about myself. I've never had an issue with the way my face looked. Hmm. I always liked my face. and mm-hmm. Nice. What is your least favorite part of your body? I don't like my stomach. Um, I think that's just another thing that stems from it. Um, yeah, I don't like my stomach. My torso, I feel like it's too long for how short I am. <laughs> and I feel like it's just never quite as toned as I want it to be, but whatever, I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a sexual urge that confused you? No, not yet. I don't think so. I listen to the podcast sometimes. I'm like, huh, I wonder how I would feel about that. And then I like think about that. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good on that. Yeah. <laughs> but I like listening to what other people go through. I'm like, I've never even thought of that. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. part of why I like doing this. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's very, it's very, le- a very learned podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is something about your current sex life that isn't quite as satisfying as you'd like it to be? Um. I don't even know if this is a corporate, like necessarily sex life, but I feel like I would like more like cuddling. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we don't, I think just because we're always, we're, we're, he and I are both so independent that feeling that need to be vulnerable in that capacity is just something we don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, more of that. But I think most of the reason we don't really do that is because he's just really warm. And then I get really warm and I'm like, get away. <laughs> <laughs> Might I suggest reusable cloth covered ice packs? Ah, <laughs> uh, I, like I use those up. a lot. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just use them a lot in general, but they, it's nice when it's hot and we still want to cuddle. I can cool myself down. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm going to have to get that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something you fantasize about but have never asked for in real life? Probably um, the concept of, I guess, just me not having a say, um, like forcing me to do something. Obviously, it's weird because I, I say that. Um, but then in the moment, I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> um, so I say that, but I'm like, is that really real or not? Um, but I would have to say, I guess, th- that weird element of surprise. Um, mm-hmm. Like me not expecting it and I, me not having a choice, like just throwing me down and making me do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> what belief did you have about sex as a child or teenager that you wish you could go back and correct her on now? I think I believed, I don't know why I believe this considering my I never did tell you that I'm one of seven siblings, but we all have different fathers. Mm. So 
I don't know why I always believed that sex was exclusive for love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was me just trying to project what I would have hoped my childhood would have been like. Um, because I'd seen so many rotating men, I guess. Sure. Or had just known my mom to have been married multiple times. Um, I think knowing that it's not exclusive to that, you not that I did this 100%, but I think once you have that in, intimacy with someone, you maybe this is just me and how my brain works, you immediately start to think that, oh, I must care for this person or, oh, I'm supposed to be feeling this way. Why don't I feel this way? Um, I think that would have definitely helped me in that interim mm-hmm. of my life. And I feel like that probably could have given me a better more open-mindedness to other people because I feel like when I was younger and starting the dating scene, I had a tendency to judge people that were so quick to jump and jump and jump. Um, I think I probably would have told myself that Hmm. it doesn't have to be a love. It could be just for self-gratification. Sure. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Natalie, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Of course. It's been so interesting and uh, really a great pleasure to talk with you. It was lovely to talk with you too. Thank you for getting in touch. And as a reminder to everyone who's listening, (laughs) if you want to do this, please let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was like, yeah, I didn't expect that it would happen, but here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, Natalie, Mm -hmm. thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at goodgirlstalk for more sex-positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. 
To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.